Nearly a decade ago, I found myself filling the hours by listening to podcasts while my husband, Brooks, was training with the U.S. Army. Walking the streets of our Army post, I dreamt of creating something for women that bridged that gap between sermon audio and small talk. It was on the floor of my tiny closet on post that that very dream, the Dream for the Journey Women podcast, came to fruition in June of 2017. And today, by God's grace, Journey Women is now a not-for-profit ministry with the aim of moving women to know and love God more. Our monthly and one-time givers help make our mission possible. If you'd like to support the work that we do, you can make a tax-deductible donation by visiting journeywomen.org forward slash give. Thank you for investing in the work of Journey Women. Welcome to the Journey Women Podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Belis. Life's a journey we were never meant to walk alone. We all need friends along the way. On the Journey Women Podcast, we'll chat with mentors about gracefully navigating the seasons and challenges we face on our journeys to glorify God. On today's episode of the Journey Women Podcast, I'm chatting with Kristen Weatherell about the glory of God. We talked about everything from how God's glory actually drives the storyline of Scripture to what it looks like for us to live for His glory and not our own. Listen to what she said. Fundamentally, that's the way that we can possibly live for God's glory, Hunter, is God has to change our hearts. He has to give us a new heart and a desire for His way and His glory. And this is why the gospel is so astounding, because Jesus came to secure this promise. And the way that He did that was by fulfilling it. He completely and totally, with perfection and honor to his father, glorified his father while he was walking this earth. So you'll know her a little better. Kristen is a writer, Bible teacher, and the content manager of Unlocking the Bible. She is the co-author of Hope When It Hurts, and she writes on her website, The Gospel Coalition, and Revive Our Hearts. Y'all, Kristen was so easy to talk to that I genuinely felt like I was sitting at a coffee date with a girlfriend, marveling at the grandeur of the glory of God. No biggie. (laughs) Now, on to my conversation with Kristen on the topic of glory. Kristen, welcome to the Journey Women podcast. I'm so stoked to have you on the show today. Hey, thanks. It's so good to be here with you. Where's your baby girl? Is she with a babysitter with family? So it's super fun because today she's with her Aunt Rebecca. Oh, and, um, is this your Rebecca. sister or your husband's sister? No, this is my husband's sister. Oh. Um, she and her husband, Davis, just moved um, to our area from Wisconsin. They were up there getting their master's degree and it is so fun to have them back. So we are trying to get Joanna to be like comfortable with other people. Yes. And, um, she's doing great with Rebecca. How old is she now? (laughs) Nine months. It's crazy. Oh, so cute. Well, Kristen, for those who don't know you, you're a writer, you're a Bible teacher. You have a great little book that I was introduced to actually at TGCW. It's called Hope When It Hurts, and we can talk about that. And you're a mom and you're a wife, and I would love for the listeners to get to hear from you a little bit more about what your day-to-day looks like and what you do professionally as well. Happy to share. Yeah, I am a mother to our little girl and consider that my priority job. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so that's my full-time plus job and um, just an absolute joy. And as you know, hard as well. Um, (laughs) But man, I just leaning into the Lord's truths in a fresh way in being a mom has been so humbling and strengthening. And so that's been great. And then Mm -hmm. 
for about 15 hours a week. I am um, employed by Unlocking the Bible, and so I serve with that team. UTB is the media ministry connected to our church, The Orchard. And for Unlocking the Bible, I basically strategize and create content for our website and our blog and serve as a writer and an editor. So So, yeah, it's a great joy that I get to do that twice a week. And then my daughter gets built in grandma time. Oh, so you're close to your family. Very close. Yes. That's so nice. Very blessed to have both of our immediate families here. Oh, that's so nice. I, uh, I envy that. We're military. I don't know if we got there whenever we were at TGCW. So we live quite yeah. far from our families and things like that. So it's harder It's harder to leave. That makes me really happy for you guys. Thanks. Yeah, it's a great joy for sure. But that's, that's in a nutshell. That's what I do during the week. It's great. I love it. Yeah. And your book, you wrote that together with a girl named Sarah, who we're actually going to have on the podcast later this fall. And we're going to discuss God's purpose in your suffering, which is like a huge topic. Um, and I'm sure that'll like interweave today, actually, because I wanted to talk to you about the topic of glory. And it was interesting as I was even doing my Bible reading this week, Kristen, number one, God's glory just like stood off the page to me in a way that I, I don't know, I guess it was just because I knew I was preparing for this interview. I'm like, why haven't I seen these things before? And then the way in which it was also linked with suffering, it stood off the page to me as well. So I'm excited to chat with you about the topic of glory today. Thank you so much for all your preparation and your willingness to come on and chat with us about kind of a big topic, right? Like, <laughs> oh, just a little bit of a big topic. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yes. It was like that. I was jumping, you know, I was jumping off the page uh, for me too in this week, but even prior to that and and thinking about it, oh, I was just so in prayer for our time because this is such an enormous topic that the human mind can't even wrap around. Yes, I know. When I think about glory, like it's one of those words that we have in the English language. And like, if I was to ask you, Kristen, how would you describe glory? It's something that's really difficult to describe. It's not like, you know, a table where we can be like, okay, well, a table has, you know, four legs and it has a, a flat top and you use it to eat and, and you could like visualize that. But when you talk about glory, it's hard to get a picture in your mind of what is glory. So could you just kind of lay that down for us? Like what, how can we begin to conceptualize what glory actually is? Hmm. Well, John Piper is the guy on this topic. And yes. so I have to confess, Hunter, that what I am saying these are not original thoughts. I mean, we're Bible people, so we never want what we say to be original thoughts. We want it to come from the Word. Right. But I so value how Piper has taught on this throughout the decades. Yeah, um, I agree. So he has said, similar to what you just said about the table, that glory is different than describing a basketball. He uses that illustration. He's like, you know, if somebody asks you to describe a basketball, that's pretty easy because we have terms. Totally. For how to describe a basketball. Like somebody could probably visualize what a basketball is without having to see a basketball. Totally. But man, glory, the terms and the categories are so different and in some sense beyond us and difficult to describe. And Piper often involves the word beauty in the Mm. definition of glory. And how do we describe beauty? Mm -hmm. You know, it's, Mm -hmm. it's difficult to describe, but I love his definition. He says, um, the glory of God is the infinite beauty and greatness of his manifold perfections, Mm. infinite beauty Mm -hmm. of his perfection. And like, how do we even wrap our mind around perfection? Mm -hmm. So really I'm humbled in, in even thinking about 
this question because it really brings me to a place of saying, do I know God? Am I walking yeah. with God? Yeah. Not just do I know some things about him, but have I tasted and seen this beauty, this glory? And so I think it's everything that God is mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. himself. Um, and this is very difficult to wrap our minds around, but the glory of God is his beauty. And mm-hmm. so, to be, so to glorify God, when we talk about that kind of as a verb, as an action, it's to be so satisfied, to be so mm. enraptured and to have such joy in him that we enjoy him and we reflect him to others. Yeah. I believe that that's what it means to glorify God because it's glorious. Yeah. You know, I have this shirt that was sent to me by, uh, I can't remember the name of the company. I think it's like Sola Gratia. And it says, Solo Deo Gloria. Mm, yes. Glory to God alone. And I remember posting a picture of it on Instagram and somebody writing me and they were like, what does it mean to give glory to God alone? Like, what would you say if someone asked you that? <laughs> and I love your description just now, because the first thing that came to my mind when she, the person on Instagram asked that question was, you know, the catechism, because I'm working so diligently on memorizing the catechism with my kids. I, I don't know if you've gotten there yet with Joanna, but it, it says, um, how can you glorify God? How can you glorify God? Yeah. I can glorify yeah. God. Yeah, by loving him and doing what he commands. And I was yeah. thankful for that really simple answer. But I think the answer that you offered encapsulates even more of like the heart that's there and the way in which like it's relational, like glorifying him is like a relational activity. I don't know. So I'm, I'm really excited to flesh that out with you more. Speaking of heart, like what is the desire of God's heart? How do we see that in scripture and what actually drives like the Bible? Simple answer, God's glory. Uh (laughs) Yeah. To to think that God out of his infinite beauty, his greatness that he shared in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So there is this perfect divine dance, I believe as Tim Keller calls it. Um, And God was so satisfied in himself that he outpoured his glory and created all things. Mm. The desire of God's heart is to exalt his glory. Mm. And as we see in scripture, to do this through a redeemed people and a restored creation. I love Psalm 19.1 that Mm -hmm. simply the heavens Mm -hmm. declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. And then we read later in Romans 11 that... Mm -hmm. Everything in all creation, which again is difficult for us to wrap our minds around, operates toward that end. Mm-hmm. Um, in Romans eleven thirty six, for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Mm-hmm. Amen. So I read that and I'm like, what? <laughs> what does that even mean? Yeah. But what does that look like? Yeah. Think about um, this this amazing reality that God is doing all things for his own magnification. Mm -hmm. Um, When I think about this, I come back to a couple of truths in scripture that I, I desire to just submit to you. And that's Deuteronomy 29, 29, the secret things belong to the Lord, our Mm -hmm. God. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't understand how all things. And so I'm going to be so bold as to say all things, including sin, somehow God is using sin. Yeah. To exalt his own glory, you know, yeah. all things, including hard things that we go through, like you yeah. mentioned, suffering. And then everything that seems beautiful and easy and 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 wonderful. God is doing all of this to exalt his own glory. 
So he's driving all of creation for his own magnification. Mm, Yes. Life is crazy sometimes, and finding time to sit down and read the Bible can be difficult. That is why I love Dwell. When I can't find time to read the Bible, I can listen to it. The voices reading the Bible are soothing. They're not your normal narrators. Plus, you can choose calming background music and adjust the pace of the narrator's voice to get things just right. Dwell's newest release is called Dwell Daily, a fresh, thoughtfully crafted devotional that immerses you in the Word, allowing you to pray it, meditate on it, and so much more. If you're looking to deepen your engagement with the Bible this year, Dwell Daily is worth checking out. I cannot recommend Dwell enough to help you orient your mind to the life-giving Word of God throughout your day. Go to dwellbible.com forward slash journeywomen to receive your 25% discount today. Again, that's dwellbible.com forward slash journeywomen for your 25% discount to subscribe and spend time in God's Word. I love that so much. And you know, you see that when you're looking for it all through the text. I think I was introduced to Piper's work sometime in college, and that's when I really began looking for it. So I guess my encouragement is, number one, to like read through that lens, read the Bible through the lens of like looking for God's glory. But I'd love for you to describe, Kristen, how is the story of the Bible actually about God's glory, not just like in these specific texts, but all the way from Genesis to Revelation? Mm-hmm. I'm really glad that you asked this question because I have a real heart for the whole Bible story pointing to Jesus Christ. And uh-huh. I think a lot of us have that heart. And so it was interesting to kind of reframe your question specifically about God's glory. Yeah. And I would describe it this way. God's word is the epic story and it truly is epic. Yes. Of God glorifying himself through the salvation of his people. And so I I kind of thought about this in terms of the framework of creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. Mm -hmm. And so just to kind of go through those four um, stages of the Bible story. So we see in creation that, as we mentioned earlier, God's overflowing his resplendent beauty by making everything that we see. Mm -hmm. Is that all things would point to him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. See in the next phase, the fall and we see man um, who God created for his glory, choosing to exchange the glory of the immortal God for created things. Um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It was the forbidden fruit. Mm. And the heart behind this was the desire to be like God, but in doing so, Mm -hmm. they actually exchanged that relationship for a lesser glory. Um, And so in that sense, you know, sin infects all of creation. It becomes our original nature. Mm -hmm. Um, but then we see really good news in in redemption and how the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And John 1 says, we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. So God chooses to come to earth as a person in his son, Jesus, to pay for the sins of these glory exchangers, to bring us back to God in perfect worship, mm-hmm. delight. So God um, comes to us in the form of his son. And then we see finally in restoration that Jesus becomes our glory. He becomes our light and restores all things to where he truly is the sole desire of his people forever. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And 21 that says, 
the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it mm. for the glory of God gives it light and its lamp is the lamb. I love even just attempting to picture that is it brings tears to my eyes. Um, mm-hmm. Cause I just think, Oh, Lord Jesus come like restore everything that has been broken by our sin. And, um, you know, make us to worship you with pure hearts into eternity. Mm. And so I love that, that we just see this epic story, man. If anybody says Hunter, that the Bible is boring, I just want to say, no way, man. Yes. Because it is epic and God is, God is out for his own glory the whole way through. Yes. Yes. And, you know, even from the very beginning, we see God, you know, calling Adam and Eve to embrace his glory. It's like, it didn't even, I don't know, when they're walking in the garden with God, when they're in perfect relationship with him, I just imagine it didn't even require that much energy or effort for them to behold his glory because he's just there. Um, So why does God call us to embrace his glory and not our own glory? Like you talked about um, that exchange where Eve chose to take of the fruit and eat because she chose to treasure the created thing over the creator. In that instance, how is God calling us instead to embrace his glory and not to seek after our own glory or to seek after the created things to experience glory? Mm. Well, God knows that the best thing we could ever have is him. Mm-hmm. And because we were made for him, our greatest enjoyment and our greatest, we use the word satisfaction earlier, is to enjoy him, is to image him, is to point to him. Yes. And so God knew that in himself is where truest life is found. So he calls us to embrace his glory because it's best for us. Yeah. I think sometimes the question arises, well, wait a minute, isn't this like narcissism? Yeah. Yeah. This narcissistic demand on God's part, but I love to Piper. This is just a paraphrase of what Piper has said before, but Um, If God didn't uh, enjoy his own glory, demand his own glory, command that we enjoy his own glory, God would be an idolater. Yeah. (laughs) But there is no sin in God. Um, So really, this is a generous invitation from our creator to share in his beautiful splendor. Yeah. This is is best for us. And so destruction comes when we fight against this. And that's what we saw happening in the garden. Right. Adam and Eve resisted this. I was thinking about Romans 1. And I'd love to read that for us because it talks about this exchange that we mentioned before. Mm -hmm. This is starting at verse 22. It says, for although they, the creation, Mm -hmm. knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images. And then it says, since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. So we've resisted this call to embrace God's glory for our good because we want our own way, because mm-hmm. it has, has disordered our desires and caused us to think that whether through vain glory or um, created glory, we can find all that we're looking for, joy and peace and satisfaction. But we can't find that anywhere else but in God himself. Yeah, totally. What are some ways that this like practically manifests itself? Like you're talking about exchanging the glory of God for created things. Like how does this manifest itself in our life? Well, I think, you know, we're looking at Romans 1, which mm-hmm. contextually is talking about the unbeliever. So I think we can start there and say, 
if we look at our world and particularly I'm, you know, I'm living in American culture, so I can comment on American culture, but just think about some of the world's favorite pursuits. I mean, wealth, power, relationships that work for me. And if they don't work for me, you're out. Religion or spirituality that suits me. Uh Desires. All of these pursuits are rooted, like we mentioned before, either in self-glory, vainglory, or creature-centered glory. Uh So I think we see generally that fallen sinful human beings were glory exchangers, were glory thieves, were constantly trying to be like God and replace him with Uh us. And apart from his divine intervention hunter, Uh I keep desiring to live for ourselves. Uh But God's clear. I love this from Isaiah 42, 8. This is one of those things that stood out to me as, as I was preparing for this. I am the Lord, he says, that is my name, my glory. I give to no other nor my praise to carved idols. Uh-huh. And we just, we don't desire that glory apart from him intervening in our in our hearts and lives. Man, yeah, you're totally making me think of a conversation that I had with Hadley over breakfast yesterday because we were reading through the Big Picture Story Bible, which I've mentioned on here that we do on the daily. And there's this picture. It's literally an illustration of different idols that, you know, in the Old Testament, whatever people would worship, you know, like a golden cow. And she goes, they were worshiping a cow? <laughs> and I'm like... <laughs> Yes. I'm like, isn't that silly that they would worship a cow? I said, why would they worship something that God made? Like, it doesn't make any sense. And she's like, that is so silly. And it just, it was so interesting to me that at a three-year-old's level, it made so much sense to her that worshiping a cow is so dumb to do that. And and yet it's so hard for us to see, you know, it's so hard for us to see when we're actually in- engaging in idolatry. How can we possibly live? for God's glory and not for our own? How does God open our eyes to see the foolishness, really, of worshiping things other than Him? Well, the Bible says that we're dead in our trespasses and sins unless mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He makes us alive. So He has to do this in our hearts. We, we need a fundamental change of heart. And in fact, we need a new heart, the Bible says. Mm-hmm. So I, was trying to, I was trying to trace this throughout Scripture, Hunter, and, mm. and thinking about, like, what does God do because God does it. What does God do? And we see that in the Old Testament, God is constantly talking about his glory. Uh He's constantly talking about the work that he is going to do to save his people, Uh their sin from destruction in self-glory and creature glory. And he says that he's going to do this so that he will be glorified. Uh Um, there's a particular passage that I'd encourage the listeners to look at. It's so um, mind-blowing. It's so astounding. It's in Isaiah 60, and it's called, mm. the little title is called The Future Glory of Israel. So God's talking about his people here. But the final um, stanza of this says, Your people shall all be righteous, the branch of my planting, the work of my hands, that I might be glorified. Mm. So God is doing something throughout the Bible story to um, bring honor and praise to his name through the salvation of his people. And then he makes a promise and he says, I will make an everlasting covenant with him. And we know later that this covenant is the new heart. Mm. He says, remove your heart of stone. This Mm -hmm. heart is resistant to me, is rebelling against me. This heart that has no desire for my glory. And I'm going to give you a new heart. Mm -hmm. But my law within you, and I'm going to give you my spirit. So, fundamentally, that's the way that we can possibly live for God's glory, Hunter, is 
God has to change our hearts. He has to give us a new heart and a desire for his way and his glory. Um, And this is why the gospel is so astounding because Jesus came to secure this promise. He came to secure this new covenant. And the way that he did that was by fulfilling it. He completely and totally with perfection and honor to his father, glorified his father while he was walking this earth. Uh uh John 12, 28, Jesus says, Father, glorify your name. Uh That's why he came. That was his purpose. Uh Uh Um, And so the glorious thing is we see that God accepted Jesus' sacrifice for our sin, for our our um, self-worship and our vain glory, and he resurrected him and ascended him. And Jesus continues to serve us right now after he gives us this new heart through his spirit. Mm. He changes our hearts. He continues to refine us and um, convict us of our sin. And, you know, the Bible word for this is sanctification. He sanctifies us. Yes. And basically frees us from bondage to this vain, glorious living um, to to live and and dwell in the purpose that we were created for. Mm-hmm. To mm-hmm. God did all of this. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> and he gets the glory for that. It's yes. Yes. This is, you know, I, there's so many things I could say, but when I began to realize that it had everything to do with what he was working in me and what he had done. Yeah, like his glory was illuminated. It's like, oh my gosh, this wasn't because I, you know, walked down the aisle and said a sinner's prayer. This is because God has been drawing me to himself and he awakened me. He made me alive. He breathed life into my dry bones. Like, of course, he gets all the glory, all the honor, all the praise because he's the one who did that. Right. I love looking back on my history of, you know, what God's been doing in me, like, as far back as I can remember, and seeing how He has continued to weed me out of myself, seeing how He does draw me to Himself, seeing how He has continued the good work that He began in me. And um, it's just such an encouragement to my heart to see, like, man, in spite of myself, He continues um, to work and move mightily in my life. So practically speaking, what does it look like for us um, to pursue God's glory and to cooperate with Him in that process of sanctification that you mentioned? Mm-hmm. Well, I first of all, I really like that you chose to use the word pursue because this is such a process that happens by degrees and mm-hmm. that by God extending his sanctifying mercy and grace to us mm-hmm. as we what this means every single day because I struggle with this hunter every single oh, day. Oh yeah. Yes. And when I look back on my history that I was mentioning, it looks a lot more like, you know, a literal journey through valleys and mountaintops and all those things. It's not like a linear progression that just goes straight up to glory. No. Exactly. <laughs> And there's an encouragement there because um, we see in the Bible that God promises to finish the work he's begun. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there's a lot of comfort there. Totally. Um, but in answer to your question, this pursuit is is the constant, continual reorienting of our minds mm-hmm. and the, the tuning of our hearts to worship God. And so I was thinking about... Mm. 
Lord, okay, what are the things that you do in me each day when I'm struggling with this and trying to just get those down right. clearly? And I think, oh man, primarily, Hunter, prayer. Um, yes. I could probably say a ton of other things, but I really want to really want to land on this point. If we're on our knees before God, um, communing with Him in yeah. prayer every single day, I mean, prayer is the posture of humility. Correct. It's saying, you are God and I am not, and I need Correct. you. And man, uh, the day that I, the day that I fail to pray or stop mm-hmm. is, is the day that, you know, vainglory is really going to start seizing yeah. more, more of an opportunity. And so mm-hmm. prayer, prayer mm-hmm. I mean, pleading with the Lord help <laughs> because mm-hmm. everything within me wants to serve myself. Girl, I needed to hear that. I, everybody knows on this podcast that prayer has been since the beginning of 2018, something that I've really desired to grow in. So anybody who listens regularly knows this is convicting me right now. (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, my husband and I talk about this all the time and we, we encourage one another in in our prayer life. We pray together because prayer is the way that we grow in humility. And God says the broken and contrite spirit, I will not despise. You know, he is with us. He is, he is um, for those who are humble before him and who see their need for him. So pray, 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 pray is probably what I would say, first of all. And then confession has been really helpful and freeing. Mm-hmm. My husband is, is you know, the primary person I go to about this and, and vice versa. Um, but if I'm, you know, I think I'm always struggling with self-glory because I'm not yet home with my Lord. And so my heart is, is they're yes. still mixed, but on the days when it's like particularly clear and I see uh, really clear sins come out or yeah. I'm thinking, it's just really good to um, obviously go to the Lord first and then to go to my husband to say, can I just talk to you about this? Because this is what I'm desiring. This is what's on my heart and my mind. I really want people to like me. Uh-huh. I want people's praise. And... Um, it's so freeing to just talk it out with each other. And so maybe mm. if it's a spouse, you know, for the listeners, maybe it's a trusted friend. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's, you know, a women's ministry director from your church or um, someone in leadership that you could talk to about this. But I just think it's good because I, we often find too that mm-hmm. the sitting across from us going, mm-hmm, me too. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was going to say. I'll be right there with you, sister. And, yeah. and yet so often I find myself thinking, man, I just want to push this at bay because I just don't, uh, really, it's out of shame. Our good friend, Abby Wedgworth, and I talked about shame. You and I share her friendship. And so much of it is about shame for me, where I just don't want anybody to know that that's still a thing for me, you know? And and I have a heart for God's glory, Kristen, and yet I still find myself seeking to glorify myself every single day. Like, what is up with that? (laughs) What is the dang deal? And do you have anything that you want to add? Like when we detect, and I think we all know this moment, right? Like oftentimes for me, it happens when I'm like messing around online or Instagram, because I just feel like that's like such a tangible way for us to build up our little kingdoms, you know? So say we're doing that, say we're scrolling on Instagram or say, you know, somebody offers us a compliment after we've, you know, taught at church or somebody offers a compliment to our parenting or 
you know, something happens that, (laughs) um, you know, in which we see our our true heart's response of like desiring to be um, worshipped and, you know, thought much of like, what's the proper response to detecting when we're functioning as glory thieves, like you mentioned? Mm. Well, I think this is counterintuitive, but I think the first response is to worship and thank God because that's, that means the spirit is in us. True that. That's encouraging that you're experiencing the conviction of the Holy Spirit instead of being like, oh man, here I am failing again. It's like, praise God that you're still working on me. Right. And there's certainly, I mean, there is a, there's a proper place for mourning our sin. That's biblical. Right. And I think first John one nine gives us a really excellent model for how to respond when we see um, ourselves and our hearts going this direction. It says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So again, the topic of confession, God's going to be faithful, not only to forgive you through Christ, but to cleanse you, to increasingly change your heart. So I think it's good for us to, to thank him for showing us where we're, where we're sinning, where we're veering off course. Um, I think there's a proper place for, again, confessing and then asking God, to do a work in us. And then I love this. This is not an original idea. It actually comes from um, Pastor C.J. Mahaney from mm-hmm. his book. But he goes, at the end of the day, it's so helpful to consider all of the ways that I might have accepted the glory for myself or even circumstances from the day where I got glory, maybe from people or circumstances, and to turn over that glory and that praise to God. Mm. Lord, you are faithful. Like all Mm. of this comes from you and Mm. all of this is for you, like from you and through you and to you are Mm -hmm. all. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a really practical measure that we can take too, is when we see this, um, if it's not in the moment, sometimes it is in the moment. If if I'm seeing this in my heart, just pausing to say, Mm -hmm. oh God, all glory be to you right now. All glory be to you. Mm -hmm. This is you. Um, but at the end of the day to just consider the day and to be able to say, Oh Lord, I, I, I attempted to steal your glory mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, or to give him glory. Thank you for, mm-hmm. for that prayer that you answered. Thank you for how you provided for our family, you know, glory be to you, Lord. And so mm-hmm. I think there's a way that we can do that too, but the very, the very presence, um, of our sin and the fact that we're seeing it is the work of the spirit. And so I think there's encouragement. Yes. As well. So how do you accept a compliment, Kristen? I know somebody's come up to you before and they're like, man, I really love your book. <laughs> you know, is there a way in which we can accept compliments, uh, particularly when we're discussing this with like non-believers that, you know, exudes humility and yet offers glory to God? Well, I, I'm trying to think of how I, how I typically respond, which is not always necessarily right or godly, but I tend to just say, praise God. I yes, just, I know. Next, well, you know, if that book helped you, praise God, because yes. that is work. But, um, I think, uh, turning the conversation to take a great interest in other people is really helpful too. So mm-hmm. rather than, rather than saying, um, I don't know, great things about the book or whatever, I, I typically just say like, tell me about you. Tell me about, yeah. 
Why did that mean so much to you? Particularly because your book is, you know, about suffering. It's like that must have resonated with them deeply. And maybe you can offer them, you know, the hope of the gospel, even if they're not a believer. Or, you know, maybe you can magnify the Lord even in that conversation um, as you seek to know them more and, you know, just dig into their life in, in a real, like, heartfelt, loving way. Yeah. Well, I love, C.S. Lewis has this quote about um, humility, which in a way is the flip side of vainglory, humility. Yeah. Uh, and he says, you know, the humble man, you won't necessarily say, oh, what a humble man he is. And this is a paraphrase, but he basically says, you'll just notice that he took a great interest in you. Mm. Yeah. It makes me think of Philippians 2.4, let each of you look not only to his mm. own interests, but also to the interests of others. So, I mean, if for, for the listeners out there, if ever you're in a conversation, I don't know, receive a compliment, have an opportunity to talk to a person mm. who you've helped or um, has has some way of complimenting you, I think it's great to just open up that conversation and and take an interest in them. And I think that's yeah. really a way to say there is so much more going on here than just me. <laughs> totally. One of my mentors, she said, be a there you are type of person. So when you walk in the room, instead of being like, here I am, which I think as females, let's just all be honest. Like we center everything around that moment. We center oftentimes like what we're wearing and, you know, even if different topics, preparing topics in our head before we walk into a room, like, you know, that in which people might find us more impressive than we actually are. But instead walking in and having this air of like, there you are. Like, I want to get to know you ultimately with the hope of, you know, meeting them with the message of salvation, you know? So I really like that encouragement. How can we encourage people in our family, in our community, in our friendships, in our groups to glorify God and to magnify Christ? Well, I think a good question is what will encourage our minds and our hearts Godward? And so in thinking through that question, scripture. So how, how can we be encouraging yeah. other to be in scripture consistently? And then the second thing that comes to mind is sitting under sound biblical preaching in our churches. Mm-hmm. So encouraging one another to think God word and to be mm-hmm. in God's word through the preaching of Christ mm-hmm. in our churches, I think is key. So scripture and, and the local church And then one of the things that I found to be so helpful is um, in conversation with with friends who are believers, um, asking each other, what has God been teaching you lately? I just find that that's Mm -hmm. a Godward question that um, redirects the way that we're thinking about our circumstances. Totally. Because our thoughts are so often turned toward ourselves. Totally. And that type of a question, it doesn't have to be that exactly, but that can reorient us, I think, and, and turn yes. our, our minds Godward, which which transforms our hearts by degrees. So I think having those conversations is super important. And that can happen at your dinner table with your kids, with your spouse. Yeah. And over coffee with a friend. Um, but, you know, what will encourage our minds and our hearts Godward, I think is a good question to be asking. Absolutely, man. I think... That is just a stellar question to ask. And also, I think just a simple thing of like welcoming people along into what it is that God's doing in your heart and in your life, you know? And that's, for me, that's the approach that I've taken even on social media. It's like, well, if I'm going to use this outlet, like 
And I'm going to be, you know, real to a certain extent about what God's doing in our in our family. And I think even just by doing that, it's as we are magnifying Christ to the best of our ability, even in something as silly as like what we do on a daily basis that I post on Insta stories, it kind of like massages people's affections and, and stirs their interest. And I just think it's really cool that God uses um, our worship of him to encourage others likewise. Yeah, awesome. I love that. So what resources would you recommend for somebody who really wants to grow in glorifying God? Um, Well, two of them I already mentioned. The first being pretty much anything by John Piper. Yeah. He is so, he's such a wonderful preacher on this topic and it colors everything that he writes and and preaches. So I would say, you know, go to desiringgod.org, pick up one of his books. His most well-known book is Desiring God. I would say listen and engage with stuff by John Piper. And then the second resource by CJ Mahaney that was so helpful to me, it's his short book, Humility. Yes, my husband loves that book. I've read it once, but I need to reread. Yeah, it's really good. He's just super practical about uh, ways that we can daily pursue that Godward focus. So pick up Humility by Mahaney. And yes. then and then another one that I read this year that blew my mind was The Holiness of God by R.C. Sproul. Oh, yes. I haven't read that yet. I'm excited. So I, <laughs> I'm working on R.C. Sproul stuff right now. I don't know why, but I had never really read a ton by him. But upon his death, I just became more interested in his works. And so I'm excited to check that out. It's great. You know, there, there was a chapter in there on the justice of God that I had just never thought about God's justice in that way. So it was, it was kind of mind changing for me. And I, I'd encourage anyone to pick up, to pick up that book because it will, it will definitely turn their minds Godward. That's awesome. And we'll be sure to link to some of the articles that you've written on glory to Kristen for, I think it's unlocking the Bible and the gospel coalition, correct? That's right. Mm-hmm. Nice. Well, Kristen, one of the things I like to ask every guest who comes on the show, just so we can get to know you a little bit better on a more personal level is, what are three of your simple joys? Mm, I have so many simple joys, Hunter. This was a difficult question to think through. I guess I'm a simple person. I, know. <laughs> I, I feel the same way. That's. I guess that's why I like hearing other people's. Yeah. So the first one is a lazy afternoon with my husband and my daughter. Oh, when we have, yes. oh my word. When we have a Saturday with no plans, I rejoice. Yes. <laughs> yes. Love, the best. Doing fun things and hanging out with people. Um, but that's a joy. Absolutely love my time with them. Another one is an excellent dining experience. My husband and I have kind of become food snobs. <laughs> That is awesome. One of our favorite things to do is eat out when we have a date night. Um, Yes. And so we love discovering fun new places, but it's not even just about the food. It's like, oh, we have to have the right table. You know, the the ambiance has to be right. So we just really love coming away from an excellent dining experience Mm -hmm. and just kind of enjoying that. Like what a good gift from the Lord. So that's really fun. And then my last thing would have to be hot coffee first thing in the morning. Amen. Like put it in the Yeti so it stays hot kind of coffee. Yes. Or if I forget to set the automatic timer on our coffee pot and it doesn't go off, I like I kind of have to confess to the Lord. (laughs) Uh, Yes. 
she gets so upset. I'm like, the coffee is not ready yet. And I am, <laughs> I'm just standing here and I'm so tired. So hot coffee first thing in the morning. Absolutely. That's totally right. one of my simple joys. Well, Kristen, it's been so fun to get to hear from you. And I could just tell um, that there's a great legacy of faith that's walked before you, people that have poured into you in the same way they have for myself. Um, and I loved even your mention of the importance of the church. And um, mm-hmm. I know so much of my growth has come through members of the local church just taking the time to pour into me and show me what it looks like for them to glorify God in their daily tasks. So I'd love to hear from you. Who is it that's had the greatest impact on your journey with Jesus? Hmm. Well, this is an easy question to answer. Um, My mom. Oh, I love that. That is precious. As a mom to like two little girls, I'm like, oh, Lord, please let it be so. (laughs) Yeah, amen. No, my mom, I I cannot remember a day when I didn't walk down the stairs and see her sitting there at the kitchen table with her Bible open. Wow. She has pointed me to scripture. She has prayed with me since before I can remember. She has pointed me to Christ. And um, I, I look at my mom and I just think, man, if if I could be like half as godly as you are, <laughs> I I will be so thankful to God. So she has really impacted me. And then if I could just tack this on, I am so thankful to our church. Um, yes. I just mentioned that the orchard has given me a greater, clear grasp of the gospel than any church I've been part of before. Mm. And I think because of that, I'm, I'm, I treasure Jesus more now than yes. what I yes. ever had before. And I know that's always our prayer as we mature in him, that we would treasure him more. But I'm just so grateful for the biblical gospel-centered preaching at the orchard. And yeah, so I'd say my mom and my church. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I'm going to have to look up the orchard online because you guys probably post podcasts and stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. Very cool. Well, man, that's just like a gauntlet moment for me. I remember when my grandmother... Um, my my grandfather passed away really unexpectedly, and she just began spouting off these verses from Habakkuk that I need to memorize. It's the ones that talk about how though the fig tree doesn't blossom, you know, yet I will glorify the Lord. And I remember looking at her in that moment and thinking, man, what am I doing today to be this kind of woman when I'm 80? Because this is who I want to be in the same way that you looked at your mom when she's at that kitchen table with her Bible, you know, and now you look at that and I bet, does that not motivate you to wake up when when the nights yeah. have been long with Joanna to think, uh, you know, you don't get there overnight. It's something that is a daily discipline and a practice of walking in submission to the Word of God. And so anyways, it's just encouraging to me to persevere and to continue plugging away at all the things that we've already talked about, biblical literacy, my, my stinking clunky relationship with prayer, all those things. So I just hope that other women that are listening are encouraged. Number one, that God will continue the work that He's started in you and bring it through to its completion. And then number two, just to put one step, one foot in front of the other to walking towards pursuing glorifying him today and whatever it is that he set before you. So Kristen, thanks for helping us do a better job of that. Um, It's just been a joy to talk to you. My pleasure. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to talk with me, Hunter. Appreciate it. I'm so thankful for Kristen's encouragement to reflect on and marvel at the glory of God. What a sweet reminder. You can find the details on everything we talked about in the show notes at journeywomenpodcast.com. If you want to talk more about the topic of glory, you can actually hop over to at journeywomenpodcast on Instagram or Facebook. 
Hey, if you're enjoying these conversations, I would love it if you'd take a few minutes to leave a review on Facebook or iTunes. Here's one that I found particularly encouraging that Kay Fulbright posted earlier this week. She said, this podcast has encouraged me so much in my walk with Christ. Every conversation is approached with a biblical perspective with the gospel always at the center. I have loved listening in on these conversations and learning from some wise women and men who desire to grow in their faith and share the gospel. Guys, when I'm having a difficult day logistically or when I forget why I'm doing this, I talk to the Lord firstly and I go read your reviews. They are such an encouragement to me. Bonus status. They also help get journey women into the hands of other gals on their journeys to glorify God. A huge thanks to Chris Mann with Podshaper who edited this week's episode. Y'all, it's such a joy to get to journey with you. I can't wait to see you here next Monday. Have a great week.